0: Well, 1 Thessalonians, as you know, this is uh, the, probably the very first letter that Paul ever wrote. And it's on his second missionary journey. He makes it across into Europe. He's in Greece. That's where Thessalonica is at in the region of Macedonia. And it's the same today. It's Greece today. It's in the area of Macedonia to this day. And uh, it's, they changed it. It used to be called Thessalonica, but now it's Thessaloniki. So if you were trying to find it in modern, uh, they, they changed it a little bit. But it, either way, it's the same place. It's there. The ruins are there to this day. It was a major city, a Roman city right on the coast. And, and any world news, they got it pretty quickly. And, of course, the Thessalonica church became substantial and all through Europe and even throughout the world, the news spread about the dynamic Christianity that was there. And uh, last week we looked at the first 12 verses and uh, it was amazing. These are the things that people were just saying about Paul and, and the gospel that were just out and out demonic lies. But yet the Thessalonican, Thessalonians were affected by it. And they're like, wow, was Paul really manipulating us? Oh, was he really here to get money? Was he really, you know, Paul's like, I didn't take a penny from you guys. There, you, you know, I was there. You know, there was no manipulation. And he, interesting, he said in those first few verses, I was like a mother breastfeeding you. And then he ended at, uh verse 12, and, and I was like a father to you, giving you words of wisdom. It was very tender and loving. It was genuine. Today, Paul, is in verse 13 to 20, is going to help them to open their eyes to spiritual warfare. You know, a lot of times, life can get really hard until we realize this is just Satan or demons trying to mess with us. And when you have that revelation, it really begins to help you get through the, some crazy difficult times. They were also injured because Paul hadn't been back. Remember, he was only there three weeks that he was there, and uh, we're having a bit of a cutting in, cutting out. I'll put this also. All right, now I can, you know, do the do the the, the, the real preaching. No, I feel comfortable behind the pulpit. Anyway, um, so. They were injured because he hadn't been back. He'd only been there a short time, but he has to let them know it's not because I devalue you. That's what they were feeling. But I really love you and I'm trying to get back, but Satan's hindering me. Well, let's look at verse 13. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing because we know, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth. The word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. Not everybody who hears the Bible, hears the truth of the gospel, is touched by going, wow, God just spoke to me. But it happened there. I'll tell you, going out and witnessing, it's amazing. Last year, I remember... Standing, there was four young teenage guys, somewhere between 15 and 17. And I said, hey, let me share the gospel with you. And they said, yeah, go ahead. And uh, there was one of them that every syllable I said was affecting him. You could just literally see him. There was one that was sort of like, ah, I've heard this before. Come on, speed it up. Then there are a couple other guys going, I don't know how this is going to look to my friends. If I become a Christian right now, I think I'm going to, you know, take the cool way out and just sort of act like I'm not being affected by this. But as I shared the gospel, I said to the one guy, I said, "You look, your three buddies, they're all in different places. But you need to believe right now in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. And man, he, he, he just teared up. And I said, let me pray with you. Just repeat after me and believe the Lord. And he was radically saved. His three buddies, when they saw him affected, then their hearts began to get tender. But the Bible makes it clear that not everybody is equally affected. Do you, do you understand what the final period on planet Earth as we know it is going to be? There's going to be the rapture of the church. There's going to be 3 seven-year tribulation period. At the end of the seven-year tribulation period, we come back. But rather than the Lord destroying the earth at that time, he sort of gives it a facelift. And we, the population of the earth that's left alive, that didn't take the mark of the beast, not necessarily believers, but most of them are, they begin to repopulate the earth, and we... Now in our brand new bodies reign as kings and priests to Jesus, who's ruling from Jerusalem. That goes on for a thousand years. You're like, man, my life's so hard. I never got to, you know, go and see India. Go there for a hundred years. You got 900 years left. I never got to scuba dive. Oh, go. You don't even need scuba gear. I never got to climb to Mount Everest. Go. Go to every single mountain in the world, and you still got 900 years left. We're, 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 this is why Jesus says, You, you don't, if you, you, if you gain your life now, you'll lose it in the life to come. But if you lose it now, you'll gain it in the life to come. But after that thousand years, amazing, even though the population of the earth has grown and people have been able to go to Jerusalem and see Jesus, hear him tell a Bible study, look at the scars. In his body that was left from the crucifixion. Many, many, many did not want anything to do with Jesus. Satan is released out of the hell, out of the pit. He's able to tempt, like he did Adam and Eve, the population of the earth. And surprisingly, after people have lived hundreds of years, up to a thousand years on earth with Jesus, they side with Satan. And they start fighting militarily against the believers in Christ. Isn't that crazy? Sort of cool for us because the very last thing we do is get to kick Satan's butt before he's finally put into hell permanently. But here's the thing. (laughs) Here's the thing. It speaks, the final period speaks of how hard and rebellious our hearts really are. That even if you could be with Jesus a thousand years, hear him teach you for a thousand years. Think you know the Bible pretty good after a thousand years? That you still hate him. In your heart, I don't want to follow Jesus. I don't want to be this moral person. I don't want to be this forgiving person. I don't want to be this ethical person. And and I hate the fact that all of these kings and priests are around the earth, and, and they don't let us have the freedom to do what we really want to do, which is sin. And they, So what a miracle it is for us who have said, Jesus, I'm a sinner, be the Lord of my life. Do you realize that is a miracle of miracles of miracles? No blind seeing, no deaf hearing, no lame walking, nobody raised from the dead is a greater miracle than your hard, rebellious, stubborn heart. Hearing the gospel, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the actual word of God. And that's the way they received it. Paul shared the truths of the Bible that we have now in our hands. And they received it. That's God. God spoke to me. Oh, you mean the Bible study Paul taught? No. Paul spoke it, but it was God spoke it to me. His Holy Spirit spoke it to my heart. We know that feeling, don't we? We've read the Bible and just go, oh, the Lord just spoke to me. We hear sermons going, God just radically spoke to me. In 2 Timothy 3, you know that passage well, verse 16 and 17, where it says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. That word literally, inspiration of God, is God-breathed, like he breathed into Adam and he became a living being. All of the Bible, every word, comma, period, as you look at the Bible, is breathed by God. And is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and in righteousness. That's what we got this morning, instruction and in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So today, as we're sitting here, we just happen to be in 2 Thessalonians 13 to 20. But you know what I've learned that where we are in the scriptures is really where we are. Sometimes you go, well, it didn't really speak to me from where I'm at. But in two weeks from now, (laughs) it's the very thing that was planted two weeks earlier that's been growing and meditating, and now it is applicable in your life. So God's feeding his sheep right now. And you need to say, hey, this may be Brian preaching the sermon But in reality, this is God's word. It's as if God himself were breathing out this word, not just into our minds, but into our very, very hearts. It is the word of God. And he said, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. Boy, we we know the, the parable story about the seeds falling, don't we? And some people's hearts are like asphalt. You throw a seed on asphalt or throw it out on the concrete highway, nothing's going to grow there, right? Some people's hearts are stony, just full of stones. And you throw the seed in there and something grows up, but it can't make it through the stones. It gets choked out. Some people's hearts are, they look like good soil on the top, but about three inches deep, it's hard as rock. Still looks like dirt, but it's hard as rock. I grew up in the farming community of Central California. We called it deadpan, and it it literally, you got to bring uh, major pieces of machinery in to break that stuff up, and it's almost unusable, but that, that's some people's heart, so it looks like, oh my gosh, they, they did receive it as the word of God. Oh, look at them, but then it, after a couple of inches, it hits that deadpan, and it gets dried out by the sun. But then there's those with a good and noble heart who hear the word of God and it bears forth not 20 or 30 or 60 fold, but a hundred fold. Every seed that goes in germinates and becomes fruitful. This is what happened with them. Just a quick note to anybody who teaches the Bible. You need to understand you're handling TNT, right? You're handling a nuclear bomb. That we are handling the powerful word of God. And it needs to be true to you, right? A dead heart speaking the word of God, it can often fall dead. But often people Take it willy-nilly and and say, oh, I think the Bible says this. I think it means that. And you look, you're just sort of like, whoa. (laughs) In James chapter 3, it actually says, let few among you be teachers, knowing that you have a special judgment before God. And it's a stricter judgment because you taught the word of God. We need to understand how powerful this is, and be respectful of it. And then he says, which also effectively works in you who believe. Interesting, that word effectively works is the word in Greek we get our word energy from. When you guys heard the word of God in your life, it brought this power, this energy. It brought this newness. Boy, if you've seen people get saved and then grow in the Lord, You, you understand what this is about. It, 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 they received it as the word of God, but you go, oh, that was great. They heard the word of God. No, their lives begin to have the energy of the spirit. The Holy Spirit comes into a person's life. It circumcises their heart with all that dead sin, gets it out. He fills up the Holy Spirit in their hearts. And all of a sudden, um, they're able to start seeing the world in a spiritual way. They're able now to receive the word and it go into their heart and make them wise. Look at your calling, brother. Not many wise, not many noble. God chose the weak things, the basings of this world, that he might confound the world through the wisdom and the changed life of the very weak and foolish uh, people. And so what we we see here is it was in their lives. Their own lives became a tremendous witness to uh, the truth uh, of, of the gospel the proof is is in the pudding there now just a, as a side note we we do know what it looks like for somebody to hear the word of God from God and not receive it do you remember this story we're actually going through on Wednesday nights this story we're not quite at this point But the children of Israel, they eat the manna from heaven. They see the pillar of cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night. They drink the water that supernaturally comes out of a rock. And when it comes down to them trusting God to cross over the Jordan River into the promised land, they want to kill Moses and anybody who stands with them and go back to Egypt says there were onions and garlics and leeks. They had a lot of bad breath back then. It wasn't just being slavery. It was slavery with bad breath. But um, in Hebrews chapter 4, it it tells us in verse 2. For indeed the gospel was preached to us, and Paul uses this as an analogy, to us here in the New Testament, as well as to them, those in the Old Testament, in the wilderness, who left Egypt. But the word which they heard, notice, did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Wow. So what happened? They died in the wilderness, not receiving the promise of the promised land. He goes on in Hebrews 4.12 to say, you know, the scriptures, the word of God is spiritual and it is living. And it is powerful. It's like a two edged sword that pierces, and he goes on. But interesting, that word, the word of God is living and powerful. That word, powerful, It's the same word that Paul uses in, in 1 Thessalonians 2, where he, he talks about it effectively working, the same root word. So the word of God came in, it was living, it was powerful, it was a two edged sword. When you ask people that don't know the Lord, do you know you're a sinner? You have sinned against people, but worse, you've sinned against God. You see the Holy Spirit's in the world right now convicting every man of sin, of judgment, of righteousness. You're not the first one telling him that. The Holy Spirit's telling him that every day, several times a day. You're a sinner and you need a savior. And so they would be open to the good news. So when you say you're a sinner, what are you going to do about it? Well, I'm trying to live a good life. And it's not like I'm, you know, Hitler or something. And I think, you know, Hitlers and Charlie Mansons and serial killers are all going to hell. But the rest of us are basically good people. We'll all make it. And when you start to share the truth, that two-edged sword that pierces, they know the Holy Spirit has spoke to them of sin, of righteousness, and of a judgment to come. Not that it will come for them, but they need to be ready for that judgment and be uh, have, have received the one way of escape through Jesus Christ. The power of God's word to work in your life will be related to whether you recognize it and trust it as the word of God. And so again, here um, we see the word of God. I've seen it here as a pastor. You know, you see some people and and their eyes are open they're just receiving it and God's inscribing it on their hearts you see other people yawning and sort of ah, yeah you know and then you see other people that are getting angry i ah, can't believe i came to a church and they're talking about judgment i should have known not to come you know so afterwards there's people that give me a hug going man that was the best you have other people that are going, don't talk to me, Uh, you know. Then you have people angry. It's like, my goodness, I need bodyguards. Um, Well, going on in verse 14 to 16. For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God, which is in Judea in Christ Jesus. For you also suffer the same things from your own countrymen, just as they did from the Judeans. You who killed both the Lord Jesus Christ and their own prophets, have persecuted us, that they not please God and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they may be saved, so as always to fill up the measure of their sins. But wrath has come upon them in the utmost. So Paul starts out there in verse 14 by saying, And you, brethren... Again, I think they were feeling neglected by Paul, maybe as second-class citizens. And Paul is saying you're not second-class citizens. you got to realize that when you receive the gospel, you receive God as your friend. But you also now got an enemy for the first time, Satan. You, You didn't just get friends. You got enemies. And the same enemies that Jesus had the Jews that hated him for standing on the truth of the gospel. Then after him, the apostles who were also beaten and persecuted and stoned to death like Stephen because they believed the words of Jesus and the gospel. And now it's come to you. It's just a perfect line. Everybody who believes is getting the same treatment. Welcome. (laughs) You joined the club. You're a part of the club. How do we know you're part of the club? Because Satan hates you. Jesus said that you you, you will know a man by his enemies. If everybody speaks well of you, there's something wrong with you. You should have enemies, the right enemies. And if you don't have the right enemies, you're not upsetting them. Something's wrong. And here he is making it clear to them that you now are suffering these things. They did right from the beginning. Again, we in America, really, we can think about it, but we can't know what that's like. I mean, literally, you, you hear the gospel, you go to church on Sunday, and you got the secret police showing up at work, taking you downtown to interrogate you for the next 10 hours. And your family doesn't know where you are for the next month. And they are showing up at your house, ransacking the place and seeing if you have a Bible anywhere and telling you not to go back to that church again or it could cost you everything. Or to literally kill you as it's happening right now in the world. Yeah, it's, it's, it's insane what's going on. The persecution's coming and we feel it. It's right at the back of our neck, isn't it? <laughs> the, the persecution is on its way. And we need to rejoice that, that we're able to do that. Remember in 2 Timothy 3, 12, one of the promises of God that we don't like to put in the promise book. <laughs> Those who live godly in this life, what? Will suffer persecution. Not maybe, you will one way or another. Jesus helps us, I think, and as he talks to the church of Smyrna, Remember in Revelation chapter 2, verse 8 through 11 there, and to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, these things, says the first and the last who was dead and came to life, I know your works, your tribulations, your poverty, but you are rich. I know the blasphemies of those who say that you are Jews and are not, who The blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Verse 10. Do not fear any of these things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you uh, into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation for 10 days. Be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. Be faithful. Don't fear. He who has ear, an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He overcomes, shall not be hurt by the second death. So he says in verse 10 clearly, do not fear. Be faithful to the end. It's, it's something that not every believer is going to go through. And a matter of fact, I, I would say there's a large percentage of believers in the last 500 years who haven't suffered in the world but as you go through history I, I don't know what percentage of people from the day that Jesus rose from the dead until the rapture or into the tribulation period really um, I don't know if it's 10 percent or 50 percent I don't know but if you happen to fall within that percent that's being persecuted he said don't fear don't 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 let it Affect you. They, you've, you've got the right enemies, <laughs> and I'm with you. And there's no coincidences. You're not in jail for no reason. Boy, when we read Paul's letters, he gives a list of all of the guards that came to Christ. And then all the way in Romans, he talks about all of the people of Caesar's own household that became believers and then all those who heard his testimony all the years he was in prison and then of course we got the new testament written there's there's no there's no just no reason but notice he says these are the ones who killed both the lord jesus christ and their own prophets and have persecuted us yeah remember stephen it, this sermon got him killed but he was sure right <laughs> but in acts chapter 7 verse 51 and 52 talking to these Jewish leaders, the Pharisees, Sadducees, the Sanhedrin, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. So do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who forbid, who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you now have become the betrayers and the murderers. They love to quote Jeremiah, but if they were alive, they would have been the ones persecuting Jeremiah. They would they love to quote Isaiah now, hundreds, 750 years later, at the time of Christ, but yet they were the ones that would have persecuted Isaiah at the time. And so he's saying, you guys are setting yourself differently apart, but you're the same exact religious leaders. Which of the prophets didn't you persecute? (laughs) All of them got persecuted for standing for the truth and saying this is what the Lord says. It's not popular. It's not easy to hear. You're a sinner. You need to repent. You and the whole nation or you're going to be destroyed. Yeah, it's hard to hear, but that was the word of God for them. And all they had to do is repent, turn from their wicked ways, and that destruction wouldn't come upon them. But now he says, additionally, Paul says, me and all my associates are being persecuted, and so are you. And um, that's a sign that you're in a good place. I I know when I'm getting attacked by Satan or I'm having deep spiritual warfare, I'm sort of happy for a moment at least, going, all right, I'm doing good. I'm, I'm taking demonic energy up because... What I'm the way I'm living my life but I'm not being attacked I'm wondering like God forgive me, cleanse me, heal me what's, what's wrong? why am I not why am I not getting the attention of Satan and demons Lord help me And so he's basically saying the same thing to them. This is just all a part of those who walk by faith. you know in the hall of Faith right Hebrews chapter 11 it's interesting there when you read, especially the very end of that chapter, where he says, what more shall I say? You know, I could tell you more about Gideon and Barak and Samson and David and Samuel and and all of these guys through faith. They, listen to all the positive stuff here, they subdued kingdoms. They worked righteousness. They obtained promises. They stopped the mouths of lions They quenched the violence of fire. Listen to this one. They escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness, they were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to fight the armies of the aliens, women that received the dead raised to life again. And then, without taking a breath, others by faith, (laughs) equally had the same faith and walked by faith, they were tortured. They did not accept deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. They were in trials of mocking. They were in scourging. They were in chains. They were in imprisonments. Then others were stoned, were sawn in two. (laughs) This is exactly what you think. They were tempted or burned alive. They were, listen to this, slain by the sword. Interesting. In verse 34, it says, by faith, they were delivered from the sword. And then verse 37, it says, and by faith, they were killed with the sword. I like the first one better. <laughs> but it can look both ways, he's saying. Both of them had faith. You know, on earth, we, we like it to look victorious on earth, right? We, we love Daniel, uh, all the lions going to sleep, and he's using them as a, as a pillow and sleeping all night with it. We like that. But yet how many more Christians were thrown into the gladiators and ripped as shreds by lions? This, they had just as much faith as Daniel. They were just as obedient as Daniel. But yet that was the truth. And it says, he goes on to say, they wandered around in sheepskins and goatskins and destitute afflicted in torment. The world was not worthy of them. And then he says, God having provided something better for them, that they should be not made perfect apart from us. So he said, yep, their reward is going to be great in heaven. And then he goes on to say, not only did they persecute, but then they killed the Lord Jesus. His own countrymen, the Judeans, And in the very first Christian sermon, Peter in Acts chapter 2, verse 36, actually said that to the Jews. You crucified our Lord Jesus Christ. And when they heard that, they were cut to the heart and said, what must I do to be saved? And of course, the Romans also took part in killing him, right? The Romans killed Jesus. But as you go on and study the Bible... (laughs) The Bible says there was no certain nationality that killed Jesus. It was what? Our sins that put him to death. Boy, so many scriptures on that. Romans 4.25, who is delivered up because of our offenses. And 1 Peter 2.24, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree. And 2 Corinthians 5.21, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin. For us, or in our place, and many other scriptures. I remember years ago being in Israel, and we were at this kibbutz, and there was this young girl who was behind the the cash register, and everybody was shopping. It was the um, Havala, is that what was the name of it? The the creams, I can't remember the name of it, but anyway, it's very popular and. This girl, she was, I think, 20, 21. But when she was 18, she got her part of the kibbutz, which was millions of dollars. And she traveled the world and did everything you can do. And now she's 21 years old, bored out of her mind. And I began to share the gospel with her, and and she was very open. And she just said, I got a question for you do you believe the Jews killed Jesus? It was just very deep. Somebody had said that to her and very much tormented her. And I said, no, no. Because in Ezekiel, it says in Ezekiel 16, 20, the soul that sins shall surely die. Then the Bible makes it very clear in Hebrews 5, 15, that Jesus was tested, tempted, in every point, but without sin. In 1 Peter 1.19, it says, Jesus, the Lamb of God, without blemish and without spot. Christ died for our sins, it says in 1 Corinthians 15.30. So hypothetically, since Jesus never sinned, He could have stayed on that cross forever. He could have stayed on there for a thousand years and not died. Because the soul that sins, you'll die. But a person without sin, like Jesus, he can't die. But yet he did die. Not because the Jews put him to death. They were instrumental in getting him on that cross, getting him beaten. It wasn't because the Romans put him on that cross. That, that also wouldn't have killed him. What actually caused him to die was you. Your sins have put him to death. My sins have put him to death. That's the reality. You killed Christ because he bore your sins and paid the penalty of your sins. Now you really want to disrespect him? You really want to spit in his face? Don't receive the gift that he's giving you. He's offering you to be without spot, without blemish, to be white as snow before him for eternity in his heaven. But it can't be for people that don't have sin. <laughs> if, you're an, if you're saying, I am not a sinner, then you make God a liar. And his truth can't help you. But if we confess our sin... Now he can be faithful and righteous to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Jesus can't help the healed. He can only help those who are sick. And so our sins put him to death. In John 1.29, the next day, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming towards him and said what? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It would be several years yet, because John got him right at the beginning of his three-year ministry, but yet he knew it. Isaiah 53, 5. But he, the Messiah, Jesus, was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for what? Our iniquities. The chastisement of, or the crucifixion of the cross, was for our peace that was upon him, and by his stripes, were healed. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he made him who knew... Oh, that's Isaiah. Second <laughs> Corinthians 5.21 For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So, Paul goes on to say that these people who have not received the gospel, they do not believe They've not pleased God, but they've, they're contrary, not only to God, but these people who don't believe are contrary to all men because they are now trying to stop Paul and the Thessalonians and anybody else from sharing the gospel. Why is 99% of Christians in America today will tell you I've never even attempted to share the gospel? It's right here. It's Satan and him stirring up men to make it very hard for you to come out of a very comfortable place to a very uncomfortable place. You see, when we share the gospel, we are going into their private place. We are going into their personal space. And sometimes people will Let you know, get away from me! Don't pray for me. I don't want to hear this stuff. They they do it, but yet when people say, "Yeah, well, this is personal. What I believe about God is personal," I know. And God, who you or have a personal connection with, whatever that is, has told me to enter that personal space and help you to come to the absolute truth. So yeah, when we're sharing the gospel. It's personal. People feel it. They will receive it, or they will hate you. They will persecute you. And you know what? If you've gone out and shared the gospel to any amount of degree, you'll get a lot of scars. Paul says, I'll show you in my body. I've been obedient to Christ. (laughs) Look at my scars. But at the same time, guys, when you share the gospel and you get past that, every time I go to share the gospel, I am nervous and stressed and then I get out there and once I you know get into the water it's not cold anymore and then I just oh I, I don't want to stop I want to do it 24 hours a day seven days a week because those who do believe there's nothing sweeter but yet we got to realize if you do that you're going to be persecuted Jesus said this in John 15 to the apostles. We looked at it last week. He said, the world loves its own, but you're not of this world. You're of my world. So just like they hated me, just like they persecuted me, just like they are going to want to kill me, the same to you. So understand, I say this to you, he says in John 16:1, so you are not stumbled. You're like, I'm just going out trying to do good. I'm not hurting anybody. Why why am I so abused? It's the spiritual world. There's a real devil out there. And he says that these men are filling up the measure of sins and of their own coming judgment. In 2 Thessalonians, he talks about this, the people that will not hear the truth and receive the truth And he ends that in 2 Thessalonians 2.12 by saying that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but have pleasure in unrighteousness. they rejected Christ. They won't receive the love of the truth. And there is a judgment. So I I don't know how you feel about that. You're you're like, people are persecuting you and you're like, okay, well, you're going to have to stand before God as a non-safe person. So be it. See you later. I don't feel that way. <laughs> I literally grieve over them. I'm like, you don't understand. By not receiving the gospel, you're going to stand before the great white throne of judgment. And Paul is saying to, thee, to these Thessalonians, which evidently was going to give them some clarity, if not comfort, These men that are persecuting you opposing you, that are putting you in prison, that are attacking, uh, you know, the the people of the church, understand if they don't repent, they are going to have a very severe judgment for actively trying to stop you from living the Christian life and preaching the Christian life. Let me just take a moment on this. In Revelation 20, verse 11 through 15, we need to remember the stakes are high in sharing the gospel or not sharing the gospel. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And the books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in, um, in it. And death and Hades delivered up the dead and those who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And then Revelation 21.8. But the cowardly, what's the next thing on the list? The unbelieving. There it is. They're put right next to the abominable and murders and sexually immoral and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars who shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone which is the second death unbelievers are listed right there amongst murderers and immoral people and because them rejecting the gift of God after Jesus paid for their sins on the cross all they have to do is say i am a sinner and i do need a savior And I am either going to pay for eternity for my own sins or Jesus paid my eternal sins for me and I will go to heaven spotless without blemish myself for eternity. But if you don't believe the love of the truth, you are blaspheming Christ. You're rejecting Christ. You're spitting on the cross. You're trampling underfoot the cross of Christ. And this is a great sinful offense as much as a murderer or sexually immoral. We'll finish it up here today in verse 17 to 20. But we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavoring more eagerly to see your face with great desire. Therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and time again. But Satan hindered us. For what is our hope, our joy, our crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at His coming? For you are our glory and crown. So Paul is, is making it clear. Yes, we haven't been back. But it, it, he says, I, I didn't leave you guys after three Sabbaths because I wanted to leave. remember the people from Philippi who came up and then from other locations came up and they were persecuting us and it was said that we had to leave town. We, we would have been there much longer than three weeks. Interesting, the word having been taken away. Literally, this word has one context. It is you have been bereaved of a parent. Your parent has died. you and this is what he says. Your parent, me, remember in the earlier verse, he said, I'm like your mother. And then he ended up, I'm like your father. He said, when I was taken away, it was like your father died. In essence, he's saying, I understand. Leaving after three weeks was devastating to you guys Emotionally. Don't, don't, I don't think that I'm thinking lightly of this. I'm sure it gave them great comfort to go, wow, Paul really does get how we feel. He really understands that. That's right. You, you shared the gospel with us and, and, and then that's all we knew. It's what you taught us and you left town. But he says, I didn't leave you in heart and I have endeavored uh, more eagerly to see your face. I have tried to come and see you as he's going to tell them time and time again. But what does he say? Satan has hindered me. I wonder if this sort of opened their eyes. Because they were thinking about, well, Paul didn't come back because he's having too much, on, too much fun on the coast with the, you know, the surf and the waves. And, you know, he, he's, he's up in the mountains enjoying the cool. You know, he's, he's eating good food over there and wherever. You know, he's, he's sightseeing. He's just roaming around having a good old time. And just, he doesn't care about us. So oh, little old tiny church will be here in Thessalonica. That on a human level, they were stirring themselves up, feeling insulted by Paul. And Paul says, it's not like that at all. It's spiritual warfare. Bing, maybe the light came on. Oh, have we, have we prayed and asked God to help Paul come and see us again? Isn't that amazing? Has that happened to you before? You're in this world and you're getting bitter and upset. That guy at work and that boss and I hate them all. And, I, and then somebody says, you know, I don't think it's them. I think it's the devil. I think you're in a spiritual warfare and 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 the this is your evangelism right here. You need to start praying for these guys' salvation and 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 Satan stirring them up because he doesn't want them to believe and he doesn't want a Christian there at the work. And have you prayed about it? Uh not once, not even a second. Complained about it, griped about it, you know, laid on my bed and pictured them all suffering, you know. I didn't think about it how did I not think of praying about it? We can get that way sometimes, can't we? And so often things are hard and it is a demonic attack, but we don't identify it as such. Satan Satan is a punk. I'll get beat up this week for that. Don't worry about it. But he is a punk. I mean, he's the type of guy to go into your kitchen and Pull every door out of alignment, so no, no kitchen door shuts right. He, he's the type to just put some little clanging in your engine of your car, so and nobody can figure out what it is. He he he's there to irritate you and just sort of try to wear you down. He doesn't always come out and make it obviously clear. Because that's a big part in the Western culture, a big part of his game plan is to get you to believe there is no God and there is no devil. It's interesting if you look at the stats, like 84% of our country believes there's a devil, but only like 60% of our country believes there's a God. Satan Satan's more believed in than God himself. So again, here we've got to just realize sometimes the best thing we can say to ourselves or to somebody else, let's assume this is spiritual warfare. Now, Paul knew it. He had this kind of sermon, he had this kind of ability. You know, I I think of that story in Daniel chapter 10. Do you guys know this story? Daniel's praying and praying for God's wisdom and direction and, and to release them to go back to the promised land and And finally, Gabriel shows up. And he said, Daniel, your prayer was answered 21 days ago. 21 days ago, I was here to tell you, yeah, you guys get to go back and here's some prophecies on the end times. But I couldn't get to you because there's a new kingdom coming in, which is going to be Persia. But Even though it hasn't manifested on earth yet, the Persian Empire is set in in the heavens. The devil is leading this Persian Empire to take over the world. And as I left heaven trying to get to you, there was this demonic uh, force of demons, fallen angels, and I couldn't get to you. I kept having to fight and fight and fight, and other angels were helping me. And finally, he says, after twenty-one days, you know, God does a little checkup. Hey, did we get that message to Daniel? And and they're like, ah, oh, no, haven't. Gabriel hasn't gotten there yet. He's still trying to get there. And God dispatches Michael the archangel. This is all in chapter ten. Of course, I'm elaborating a little bit, making it more interesting, but. Michael comes down and and takes on the demons that Gabriel's fighting, and he's able to get to Daniel and says, Look, we got to do this quick. I got to get back to fight. But here's the answer interesting that even angels are hindered by the devil. How much more man? And so, understand if you're not getting from A to Z at all or not quickly, often it's a matter of praying for God's victory to bring him. Hey, by the way, Paul did have victory. You can read Acts chapter 20, verses 1 through 5. He still had persecution, but he got not only to Thessalonica, but he got into the Macedonia area. Not in the Macedonia area, he was able to start churches all over Greece. You can read about it in Acts chapter 21 through 5. But he lets them know, and clearing up here, you are my number one, our hope. You are our joy. You are our crown. It's not about how many churches I've started, how many letters I've written, how much wealth I have on earth, how many church buildings have been built. It's you standing next to Jesus. That is my joy. When I am discouraged, Paul's saying, when I am just being pushed above measure, beyond strength, despairing of life itself, there's one thing that keeps me going, and that is just like you Thessalonians, I picture you standing next to Jesus, loving on Jesus, Jesus loving on you, and think there's others out there in the world that need to to have the knowledge of Christ. And he says that is it, everything. Everything that is my hope, my joy, and my crown, it's about people. And people who are in darkness coming to the light. People who have had their sins paid for by Jesus on the cross, but don't know the gospel. How will they believe unless they hear? And when they hear, their sins have been paid for. And now they can have the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Well, today we we come to realize that we need to read the Bible as the word of God. Do you understand? The Bible is God's fingerprint on earth. The Bible is God's DNA proof on the earth. The, The Bible is, Jesus actually said this in John 1, The word became flesh and now dwells amongst you. Jesus sees the Bible as his own flesh. He sees it as himself. Because that's really true, right? What a person says is who they are. You, you can't say, oh, that guy is a great guy, but he's he lies a lot. You, you can't do it. What he says is what he is. Oh, that guy is wonderful, but be careful. He gets angry really quick and he might punch you. What? No. understand that the words and the, and the attitude, all these things affect. So when we look at the Bible, we are seeing the very DNA of God, and that's life. Jesus says, eat my flesh, drink my blood, in them you have life. And so the word of God is something that we need to understand is actually God daily speaking to us. And we need to also realize there's a real devil. There's real demons on this earth. And they are, there's fewer and fewer Christians, (laughs) right? So the same number of demons, but fewer believers on the earth. That means they get to concentrate on you a little more. And those who are claiming to be Christians, at least in the Western culture, they now believe, oh, I'm a Christian, but I'm also, you know, got to put our pride flag out in front of the church. That's apostasy. The Bible says last day, one of the signs of the times will be the church becoming apostate. So I don't think the demons are going to mess with them. It's like leave them alone. They're our friends. <laughs> yeah, they're preaching they're preaching the, the the Bible, but they're also preaching transgenderism and all this n- evil wicked nonsense saying God is for it. Yeah, don't help them if you can. <laughs> help that church out. Hey, I want you demons over here to help make that church bigger. More popular. Yeah, they're not against them. So realize these last days, the doctrines of demons are going to get stronger and we are in a spiritual war. I remember that book. Uh, I think it was Walter Martin who wrote It is Satan is alive and well on planet Earth. That was the name of the book. Yes, he is. And the next thing is be born again. If you have not truly believed Jesus Christ is the one way of salvation, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, whoever believes in him, have you believed in Jesus, then you won't perish, you'll have everlasting life. By faith alone, believing in Jesus, then you're insulting him. You know the truth, but yet you don't want to receive it. I remember in high school, I had friends going, no, I don't want to be born again yet. I want to go to college. I want to join a sorority. sorority I want to know what it's like to get drunk every Friday night. I want to have sex with as many women as I can. But after college, uh, then I will, I've had guys in the military. I'm going to go on Westpac. I'm going to go to the Philippines. I'm going to be you know, checking out the prostitutes at every site. And, and uh, so. But when I get back from Westpac, I'll come to church and receive the Lord. That's what they, they say. It doesn't work that way. But it's very insulting to Jesus if you know the truth and are unwilling to receive that love of the truth. Be born again today. Lord, thank you for your word. And thank you that we are going to be in heaven with you very, very soon. And that is your joy and crown as well as your children around your feet, loving you, enjoying you, being with you. So Lord, we ask now that your kingdom would come, your will would be done in us, that we would be awakened to the power of your word and to realize you said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Forgive us, Lord, if we have devalued your word. Forgive us, Lord, if we have left the Bible on the table without turning the pages. Forgive us, Lord, if we have not come in humble worship, saying, Lord, what is it you're speaking to me today And Lord, forgive us if we're earthly minded and not thinking in spiritual terms. That we're all busy about this and that and yet our neighbor, our coworker, our person in the restaurant we're sitting next to doesn't know you and it would greatly make us uncomfortable if we shared the gospel so we don't. Lord, please help us. Sanctify us in spirit, soul and body and make us the people of God in these last days. There's fewer and fewer of us to shine as lights. There's fewer and fewer of us that can even know the truth, are born again to share the truth. So, Lord, as the armies of Christians are d- diminishing on earth, as you prophesied, that we who are left, the few who are here, would become the mighty warriors for your kingdom. Search our hearts, Lord. See if there be any wicked way in us. And lead us in the way of everlasting. if you're here today and you've never truly come to Christ, then right now, just Lord, forgive me. I am a sinner. If I have to pay for my own sins, it will be eternity in hell. I know that, but you've already paid for my sins. And you want to give me as a gift eternal life. You want to give me as a gift no condemnation. You want to give me as a gift freedom from sin in my heart right now by you, Holy Spirit, coming in. Come in, Lord. I humbly say I'm a sinner and I need you to save me. Thank you again, Lord, for your truth. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you all. Have a wonderful, wonderful week in Jesus. Bye-bye.